Well, we are wrapping up our series called Built to Last, and uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this series. Um, you know, when you look at this, it really has been a series on what does it look like to really build on God's Word, build in a way that lasts. We, we, we've got this thought, if you're joining us for the first time, I know you're going, Pastor Chris, this is the end. You're telling me you really enjoyed it, and this is the last one. It's okay. You know, we'll, we're going to kind of bring it all together today. And this really, this thought, I want to just, in kind of way of review, <coughs> this series has really been built on the back end of Jesus uh, most famous sermon, and it's the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we find this principle that we've been learning from Matthew chapter 7, specifically verse 24 and 26, and, and there's this thought, this principle that, that Jesus is giving and saying, listen, there's this man who hears the words and then he does them. And because he does, he builds, he actually uses the word wise. He builds in a wise way. If you continue to read in verse 25, the front end of verse 25 says that he built on the rock. And so there's this principle of building, and there's this, this principle of building in a wise way that can sustain. It's a way in which we build to last. And then you contrast this in verse 26, and it actually says there's this other individual. He hears the word, but there's a difference. He doesn't do it hear but not do this individual is unwise builds on the sand in fact when you continue to read it actually says that the fall because they built on the sand because because it says that the storms will come in life if you lived any amount of life how many of you know storms are coming you're either in a storm you're coming out of a storm or you're about to go in one you're like wow pastor chris i came for a good news and hope man you're just kind of really encouraging me but that's the truth if you've lived life at all, you know a storm's coming. God's promise is this, though, that when it comes, if you build the last, you can build on the rock. That when the storm comes, you don't have to build on the sand. And what happens is when you don't build God's way, when that storm comes, because it's coming, not if, it's when, the Bible actually says that great was his fall. Great was his fall. And, and it's because the destruction that happens when we don't build in a wise way, it impacts more than just us. And so there's this principle that, 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 that Jesus has been talking about. And, and when we look at this principle, we have to understand, like, when you're building anything, you have to start with, where do you want to end up? Where, where do you want to end? If you've ever built a house, I actually enjoy the process of building homes, like, being a part of that, like, figuring out this is where I want things. Some people are like, less of that. I don't want to build a home. Just give it to me ready-made, move-in ready. You know, I like it, but here's the thing, is when you're building, when you're looking at your floor plan, you start with, where do you want to end up? Do, do we want a, an open concept? Do we, do we want a split floor plan where the master is on one side and all the kids are on the other side, you know, uh, so that it's quiet, you know? Do you want a two-story or a one-story? Well, God's the same way. He's going, let's, let's look and see where does God want us to end up. Let's look at God's purpose, because he has a purpose and a plan. And, and many scholars and theologians think that, that when Jesus preached this and shared this out of Matthew 7, he's actually getting it from Psalms 127. Psalms 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Well, we don't have to labor in vain. We can build unless the Lord builds it. Now, there's this partnership. So it's not just sitting around going, God, you build it, you build it, you build it, you build it, you build it. You build it. Am I doing something right? You know, it's not that. It's, it's a, a partnership of you working together, okay? I know you were thinking, man, I'm really impressed with your dance moves, Pastor Chris. That was awesome, yeah. 
I didn't know you had those. I didn't either, you know. <clears throat> I don't know if I would call those dance moves, you know. It, it, it's, it's understanding there's this, this co-laboring together. The Lord is going to build it, but guess what? We have to partner with Him. And so we start with, what, where do we get that from? Where do we learn that? Well, I want you to open up your Bibles. Psalms, uh, I'm sorry, Psalms, Ephesians 4. I was just referencing Psalms. Ephesians 4, verse 15. We're going to get there in just a minute. Because in order for us to know <clears throat> what to build, we first have to start with how God would build. And, and this is what I want us to get this morning. This kind of sets the premise of where we're going today. That those that build to last, they understand something. Here's what they get. The, those that build in a way that lasts, here's what happens. You have to discover your purpose and contribute to what Jesus is building. So there's just two parts. Again, it's the same thing as Jesus said in Matthew 7. I've got to do my part. I'm going to discover and then contribute. It's the same principle in Matthew 7. I hear and then I do. The difference between the two people in Matthew 7 wasn't whether or not they heard God's word. They heard. The difference was do they do. And so if we're going to build the last in this way, if we're going to build in a way that kind of helps us continue to, to overcome, then what's going to have to happen is we have to realize that, listen, there's this discovery process. Some of you may be there. You've discovered, here's how God made me. Here's how God wired me. Here's my gifting. But then there's this contribution that you have an opportunity to make. And, and, and when we do that, we begin to overcome because what happens is it's God's design that we operate in this way. God has a purpose. He, he designed you with a purpose. There's a unique contribution that you bring that make us better, that make the body of Christ better. It makes the church better. It makes our spiritual family, which we talked about last week, better. And in truth, in turn, what it does is it makes you better because you grow. You grow. And so when you look at this, we begin to realize that really when we do these things and we operate this way, we actually can overcome more than we think that we can. There's more in us than we really realize. Because the truth is, you start hearing about giftings and serving and contributions. Some of us hedge a little bit. I'm nervous. I'm, you know, I'm not an extrovert. We, we compartmentalize it to personality or skill set. We get dialed into comparison. Well, I'm not like that person. I don't look like that person. I can't talk like that person. I'm not, I can't sing like that person. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's amazing how that happens rather than stopping a minute. God, how have you designed me and how do I contribute that thing? You see, there's more in you. There's more in you than you realize. You know, if I was to tell a young teenager or a young man, hey, you're going to get up at 4 a.m. every single morning, you're going to swim eight miles before most people get up, most people would say, less of that, more sleep. Michael Phelps didn't, and because he didn't, he worked hard, he persevered, he pushed through. Why? He had a purpose and a goal. He became the most decorated Olympian ever, 23 gold medals. The person after him, second place, greatest medals after him, nine. Why? Because there's more in us. What, what allows us to work through that? What allows us to keep moving forward? What allows us? Well, it's a purpose. It's a vision and a goal. Because when you have, the, the Bible says, Proverbs, where there's no vision, the people perish, the people cast off restraint. If I don't have a vision that I'm working towards, eh, no biggie. I'll just move on. It's not a big deal. I'll just keep going. And so what happens is we have to understand that there is so much power in purpose. And, and we understand this a little bit. And, and it's easier to see when it comes to work, when it comes to school. Because in work, you're like, I'm going to hit my sales quota. I'm going to hit my KPI. I'm going to do these different things. I'm, I'm going to secure that, that, that contract. I'm going to do whatever it may be. 
right? I'm going to make sure that, that, that my team or my employees. It's easier to kind of measure and see. School, if you're in school, okay, I get an A. I got a B. I, got, I barely passed, you know, whatever. I graduated. But it's not always as easy to translate that when it comes to family. When it comes to, for example, church. What does that look like for me and you? How do, how do we live that out? How can we take this aspect of how we live our life and add it to what God and how God designed us so that we can be built to last? Uh, some of you, if you follow any type of business or read any business books, you probably have heard of this book, Start With Why, author Simon Sinek, who's kind of a business consultant, and, and uh, he really develops businesses. He said, how do we tap into individuals how do we tap into people and help them walk and grow into the fullness of how they're designed? How do we help tie in this aspect of purpose? And, and how do we have uh, them in a place where they ensure that they bring their best every single day? Because if you ask anyone who's managing people, anyone who owns a business, anyone who is leading in some type of industry within organizations today, engagement is the goal. The lack of engagement is where we struggle. I mean, even if you, for some of you that are dialed into that or any type of HR, you even think about performance reviews and how annual performance reviews are out the window because what happens is people get discouraged going, I don't ever meet with this guy at all and then I got to sit down with him one time a year and he's going to evaluate me on what? Like some general analytics. So people are what? They deselect and they're disengaged. How do you increase engagement? Well, here's what Simon Sinek said. He said this. He said, look, what begins to happen is if you ask an organization, what do you do? Every single organization, if they're still making money and turning a revenue, can tell you what they do. A few of them can tell you how they do it. What's the secret sauce? Like, how do you do what you do? Very few of them can tell you why they do it. But the truth is, those that are successful in life, in business, in family, what happens, it's those people that can tell you why. The why behind the what. The why and what's going on. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 4. You've got to start with why. You see, because God wants you to have a clear sense of your purpose, your why behind why you do what you do. And if you discover and have that clear sense of purpose, then it begins to help you walk through those and overcome those situations that can be difficult. When you don't have a clear sense of why, it becomes very, very hard, and it becomes very, very muddy. And so as we look at the words of Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it said, instead of speaking the truth in love, here's what we're going to do. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body, in every respect the mature body. So instead, speaking the truth in love, there's a love that's happening. As you're growing, there's this principle of grow. You're going to see this as we read both these verses. Grow is this principle. As we grow as a church, as we continue to reach people, can I tell you something? Love should increase. As we grow, hospitality and being welcoming should increase. That's always the challenge. People go, ah, you know, and it's starting to grow. I wish, and you may have said this before. You may have felt this way. I wish it was like it used to be because it used to be relational and it used to be. Okay, hold on. Well, track with me. The truth is what Paul is saying. He's speaking to a very influential church. He's speaking to a church that is growing and is established and is successful. And as you read all of Ephesians, he brings it down to this one point, in Christ. You can summarize all of Ephesians in this way, in Christ. And this is what he's saying, it's in Christ. 
So instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. Christ is the head. It's in Christ. As we grow, we're going to grow in love. Why do we do that as a church? Because we have a purpose as a church. It's to reach the lost. It's that lost people will grow in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. It's that people, when they give their life to Jesus, they discover their redemptive purpose. There is a redemptive purpose that you have that God designed you for to make an impact in the world today. And that's what Paul is referring to. And then he goes on, verse 16, From him, the whole body, there's this principle, this analogy we've talked about, a body. We talked last week, spiritual family, that the church is a family. Then the other context that's often used as a church and as a family is, or as a church context is one family, the other is body. So what is it? For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows. There it is again. Grow. We should be growing. We should be reaching. I love it. I love it. There's more and more people that we see coming. More, I'm meeting more and more first-time guests. I'm having uh, interactions and conversations with more and more. We see people coming to 101. We see people People going, hey, I'm going to be a part of that 301 class. I want to be a part of discovering my purpose. I want to walk in relationship with other people. You're growing. You're growing. We're taking next steps. You're taking next steps. Why? Because it's a way in which we grow. That's how you grow. So there's this principle, grow and build. There it is again. You're tracking along. Paul's going, we're going to grow. We're going to build. How do we do that? They build itself up in love. Again, there's that aspect of love. As we grow, we should be loving more. As each part does its work. How do we get there? How do we build? How do we grow? Each part, you got to do your part. Everyone's got to get in the game. If you've been a part of our 101 classes or 201 classes, 301, you've heard this phrase before. You'll hear it often. You may hear it periodically. It's in everyone church. This is in everyone church. Why? Because every person matters to God. Every person can contribute. Every person can make a difference. Every person plays a role. But here's what happens. Well, I'm not that. I don't have that. No, 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 no. As we all come together and we do our part, that is the body of Christ coming together to fulfill the church's redemptive purpose that Jesus designed because we're fulfilling our individual redemptive purpose. You see, we're in everyone church. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has a lane. Everyone has a way in which they can make a difference, and everyone has a part that they play. And, and look, let's be honest. This takes a lot of faith, though. It takes faith to go, man, am I going to, do I really step out? Am I, am I really going to use my gift? Am I really going to discover what my gift, I don't really know what my gift is. Some of you know. Some of you don't. Some of you think you know. Let's just be honest. Okay? You're like me. And maybe you really can sing, but I really think I got a little worship leader touch on me. And every time, every week, I meet with Katie and Jonathan. We talk about the set list. We're talking about service and how to lead y'all, you know. And, and I really feel like there's a touch on me that I could really just... So it's kind of like a mini audition every Tuesday afternoon. And Katie says, we all have our lane, Pastor Chris. I'm like, does that mean like I can merge now? Like left turn, like I can merge into this lane? Are you telling me, no, stay over? We all have a lane, okay? You got a part that you play. And that's the great part about being around people who trust you and love you and that you trust and that love you because they see what you don't see, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. You may be like me and you think, 
I, I'm, I'm, you know, I can belt it out. I can lead in worship. And, you know, you're a little more like the scripture says, a joyful noise. Okay, you know, that's how I am. All right, you know, it's okay. We're in good company. Well, maybe we'll start a band together. I don't know, you know. We all have a part that we play. So you, so you step out in faith and you got to be coachable and you got to be pliable and you got to be flexible and go, you know, hey, someone's going to help me discover this and I feel like this is what God is doing and what He's showing me. And, and that's how we begin to see and discover those things. You see, because this is important for us. It's important for me. I've shared with you before, at the end of the day, what I really, I love to see people win. Like, I'm a pastor, but I'm a, I love coaching. I love, like, you know, I, and, and I'm not, a, I'm not the, and Wendy will tell you, I'm not a perfect parent. I love the parenting aspect, but I can get real, like, you know, I got to work on the, the compassion part of parenting. You know, I'm not, like, lack of compassion, okay? But I got three little girls, so the Lord knew what I needed. Because I'll default to coaching. Come on, get down, give me five, you know? My little girls are like, what? You know, it's like, you can do it, let's go, you know? And so I love it, I love it. I want to see you win. I want to see us win. I want to see us walk in the redemptive purpose and the fullness of how God designed you. And you don't have to look. That can be in any season of life. The wiser generation that's empty nesters. Okay? Those that are, yeah, those that are, those that are, you know, you've got teenagers or those that you've got young kids or as a young person or a child. That's why I love when you drop off your kids back there and the kids walk in there and on the wall it says you don't have to wait to be great because you can be a great kid. You can be a great student. You can be a great adult. You can be a great empty nester. You can be a great grandma, grandpa, whatever it is. We all have a part that we can play. And this is a big deal to us. We spend a lot of time praying and planning strategically. How do we help you discover your gift? How do we help you discover your purpose? How do we find avenues and help find a way for you to walk in those things? I remember when I discovered that in my own life. I remember after having given my life to the Lord, this was three years later, and, and I decided to, to stop pursuing a degree in criminal justice, and I went into the ministry and I per- pursued uh, seminary. And I had finished up my seminary, uh, and, and now my friends at the same time were now finishing up their degree in criminal justice. And I started thinking about what would life be like had I finished that degree, because I wanted to be a, a U.S. Marshal. I was going to be a, a, a federal agent, you know, I'm like, that sounds like fun let's kick down doors and drag out bad guys you know and then I thought well maybe I'll be a football coach and if that doesn't work how about a firefighter I don't know why they just kind of all work together and I was like and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about what would my life be like like I would have really loved doing those things I would have loved going to work every single day. I wouldn't have hated going to work like some people that you may know, none of you in here, but I'm sure people you know, they go, I hate going to work every day, you know? It's like, what what would have my life been? And I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, Chris, if you had done that, you would have satisfied the gifting in your life because I wired you to enjoy those things. I love serving people, the excitement of, of saving a life or helping, you know, coaching and helping people get better. I enjoyed those things. He said, if you, if you would have done those things, you would have satisfied the gifting, but you wouldn't have fulfilled the purpose. But if you fulfill the purpose, you'll always satisfy the gifting. And it was like one of those moments where he connected the dots for me, because here I am in ministry. At that time, I'm traveling and preaching. I wasn't, I'm, I'm saying I was good at preaching, but I was traveling and preaching, you know. And, and so I, it's like, he's like, you're running into spiritual burning buildings and sharing the gospel. I was over a discipleship school and mentoring young men. There was probably about 30 or 40 young men I was discipling and mentoring, so I was spiritually coaching them. 
And my whole life was centered around service. I was in ministry. I was serving and giving to others. And it was like the light bulb went off. When I pursue and fulfill purpose, I'll always satisfy gifting. And that's true for each of us. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we build God's way? How do we build on God's purpose and, and, and discover that? Well, first thing is this. You have to start with God's purpose. If you're going to build on God's purpose, you have to start with His purpose. And, and the truth is, Jesus did this. John 17, John, Jesus speaking, said, Hey, I fulfilled the purpose that you gave me to fulfill on the earth. So Jesus lived out purpose, but he also left us a purpose. It was the Great Commission, right? And so you go, okay, well, so how do I connect these things? Well, when you look in this sermon, remember the Sermon on the Mount started in Matthew 5. We're reading the end of it in Matthew 7, but Matthew 6, 33, there's a portion of that because guess what? In the middle of all this, just like you and I, the people at that time were anxious and worried. Am I going to hit the mark? How am I going to take care of myself? Am I really doing what I need to be doing? How are things going? Well, here's what it says. Matthew 6, verse 33, here's what Jesus tells him. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things all that that word all in the greek guess what that means all you right man look at y'all y'all knew greek who knew that but seek first god and his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added will be given to you as well seek first what's he saying jesus knows that if you will dive in and make what he says is important if you will say, I'm going to make that priority, I'm going to, God, I'm going to join what you're doing. This isn't about me. This isn't about recognition. This isn't about me making my own thing or a name for myself. I'm going to find, if some of you that, that, that have, have been around any length of time, you may have uh, uh, or been serving the Lord any length of time, you may have uh, been familiar with experiencing God. Henry Blackaby, he said this phrase. It was, a, it was a Bible study that many people did. I remember doing it as a young Christian. And he said, look where God is working and join him. Look where God's working. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to discover, start with me. If you start there, then all the other things, guess what will happen? They'll be added to you. They'll be added to you. You'll find this along the way. As you follow Jesus and you serve him, you'll discover these things along the way. You see, this is a game changer. When you begin to discover this, when you understand that, that, that what's happening is, and this clicks for you, that what you do every day what you do every day, when you see how what you every day connects with what God is doing, then all of a sudden it changes. When you see how what you're doing every day, when you're getting up and going to work, when you're going into that sales meeting, when you're in the board meeting, when you're with the kids, when you're going to soccer, when you see how what you do every day connects with what God is doing in a macro sense across the world, all of a sudden it brings a change and a transformation. It's a game changer. It changes everything because here's what happens. What begins to happen is if we're not connecting that every day, we lose interest. Uh, it, it, it's true even in our community. Look at our community. The higher the engagement, the higher uh, the, the way people are dialed in, the more engaged they are. The minute they aren't, they lose interest. I know I'm that way. I don't know about you. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all out. I'm, I'm going to go all in. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? I'm not saying I'm good at it like I'm all out. I'm, uh, like th there's, <clears throat> there's been a few of you, you know, someone asked me about golf. Do you golf? I'm like, no, nah, I don't golf. I've golfed like twice, but I'm not very good at it. But here's the problem with golf. If I'm going to golf, I don't know what the most expensive kind of clubs are, but those are the clubs I'm buying 
Because if I'm going to do it, I'm going all in, even if it's, that's a bad decision. But here's my problem. I'm not good. So when I hit that ball and it slices, I'm taking that $400 club and, I'm cra- and then I'm mad because I broke a club. It's not good for me. It's just not good for my soul. I wouldn't do it. Some of you are talking to me about mountain biking. I'm hedging just a little bit because I'm just telling you. I ain't going out. I'm not getting a Huffy from Walmart, okay? We're going to buy a bike, and Wendy's going to be like, boo, do we got money to buy a bike like that? I'm out to borrow a bike, because if I'm going to do it, I'm going all out. I'm getting all in. I got the shoes. I got the gloves. I got the camel pack. I got the right helmet. I'm going to need some new sunglasses. I got the right gear. He's like, I got a fanny pack. If that's what we got, I don't know what we're doing. I got it out. I'm going all in. But here's what happens. When we don't connect, we lose interest. We lose interest. When we're not connecting the way we feel like we should, we, we deselect. And this is where I think at times so many Christians live because they struggle with connecting with their purpose, they struggle with connecting with God. I can't connect in the way that I need to. And so then the enemy starts lying to you like something's wrong with you. You've done something wrong. You're missing it. No, 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 no. It's just a little adjustment. Let's connect you with your purpose. And when you connect with that purpose, all of a sudden, and you're operating in your giftings, all of a sudden there's this greater measure of fulfillment that begins to happen. A Christian without Jesus' purpose is a little like Alice in Wonderland. Wait, what? What are you talking about? I was reading in a book this past week. And there was this analogy, a story of Alice in Wonderland. I assume you remember Cheshire Cat, right? Big old crazy grin. If you saw the Johnny Depp version, real trippy. I'm not sure what, you know, I think Tim Burton did that. So that, that explains a lot, you know. But, you know, <clears throat> if, you, if you know movies or film, then you understand what I'm talking about. If not, just pay that no mind. Cheshire Cat, big, big cheesy grin. And Alice is lost and says, hey, she's a Cheshire Cat. Asking where to go, and the Cheshire cat says, well, well where do you want to go? Well, it depends. Like, you're saying, where do I go? Where do you want to go? And she says, it doesn't much matter where I go. Then he says, it doesn't matter which way you choose. And so often, that's how we live our life. When we don't have a purpose and a direction we're heading towards, it doesn't really much matter when one doesn't make a difference from the other, but that's not how God ever intended it. We can start with His purpose. We can start with Him. And as we hop into what He's doing, we see where God is working, we join in, then what begins to happen, we begin to discover our purpose along the way, which leads us to the second thing. Here's the second way you're going to build on God's purpose is this, is that you have to understand you have a unique contribution to God's purpose there's a unique way in which God designed you there are spiritual gifts in which he gave you in fact in the New Testament there's 20 spiritual gifts and I'm going to read seven of them to you right here in just a second in Romans and so what you begin to realize and what you begin to understand and you dial into is that there is a way in which God designed you. There's a gifting that he gave you. There's a unique way. I love that. Every time I see the word unique, once I moved to McKinney, it's like I see unique everywhere all the time. And it's part of actually Wendy and I's story. But it's like there's a unique way in which God designed each and every single one of you. And look at what Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 6. He says, we have different gifts. We all do. So stop comparing yourself to everyone else's. Side note, that's for whoever's in here who wrestles with that. And can I tell you something? Adults, okay, moms, dads, comparison doesn't leave when you turn 18, 19, or 20. 
It doesn't leave when all of a sudden you get your job once you graduate college. Because I know 40, 50, and 60-year-olds that are still wrestling with the comparison trap. They were fighting when they were 15 and 16. Okay? But when you understand God has a purpose for you, He's bigger, and your identity is found in Him, you can overcome that. You can overcome that. So we all have different gifts. According to the grace, grace, why grace? Because have you ever seen, here's how you discover your gift. You ever seen someone, you're like, man, they're just so good at that. Like they just, it's effortless. You know, it's, it's graceful, right? I won't, I won't, you know, I won't dance. I won't jump. It's graceful. I'm not graceful probably. It's grace. It's when, when there's this grace God's given you to do those things. And, and he's going to list out, Paul actually lists a few of them here. Your gift, if your gift, each one of you, there's this grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You see, there's a grace. Some of you, your grace to be an encourager. You do it effortlessly. Your grace to be generous and giving. Your grace to be merciful. Your grace to do those things. That's how you discover what is my grace. And I love how in Paul's writing, he's, he gives a qualifier. It's not just what you do, it's how you should do it. Right? If you're leading, he talks about leading in here. And he says, if you lead, do it diligently. I can remember as a young leader, I may have been operating in this gift. But I can remember my pastor, my leader at the time, sat me down and, and he said, Chris, you know what the word contentious means? I was like, nah. He's like, look it up. That's what you are. He's like, well, thank you, man. I have another. Okay, all right. Well, I look it up and guess what? I was. I may have had a little bit of a leadership gift on me, but I was argumentative. I was bossy. It was my way or the highway. I was prideful. So guess what? I didn't need to change who I was because that was a gift God gave me. You don't need to change who you are, but I needed to sanctify it. You have these gifts. I love how Paul's going, here's the qualifier. You may operate in these things, but you may need to sanctify some of those things. Because guess what? I'm grateful for that leader in my life telling me that because that only would have hindered me from not only being who God designed me to be, but operating in the gift that God gave me. Because I don't know what I don't know. And we all have blind spots. We need people who love us enough to be able to show us those things, point those things out to us so that we can operate in those things. And I'm so proud of you because so many of you, you work in this way. You you operate in this way. You do this every single weekend, right? Because you can move from just showing up and going, hey, I'm just here to show up and just watch all these other people do stuff, but to actually discover my gift and operate in it. And so many of you are. I think of a young man, his name's Jonah. He was, yesterday I saw him and we were talking, but Jonah is a senior in high school. And Jonah not only gives of his time to help serve his own youth group that he's a part of, he gets here early, sets it up. He'll be a, he'll, he'll be a, a small group leader. We just had our, our Battle of the Sexes retreat. He was, he'll be a small group leader or he'll work on the rec team serving for the middle school students, but he serves in our kids area as well. And I asked him yesterday, because not only does he serve on Sunday when he's already going to be here, but he gives up his Saturday morning to go to a fourth and fifth grade event yesterday. And so he gives up three hours of his Saturday, an 18-year-old. So it, it can be done. Young people can make a difference. And I said, why do you do that? He said, I love when kids come to know Jesus and it becomes alive to them. 18 years old. He knows his why. 
I think of, I think of Jeff Gabbard, who serves in that same environment. I got a picture of Jeff, and it's classic Jeff. If you've ever peeked back there when our kids are learning about the word with Chris or with Jeff, Jeff is standing on a box, standing on another box. He's dark room and a flashlight. You know, I mean, you'd think he's robbing a bank or something if you didn't know that this was kids' ministry. And I was talking to Jeff the other day, and, Je- and honestly, Jonah serves back in. You know what's interesting is Jonah said much of what Jeff said just in a different way. And I, and I, and I would dare to say he, Jonah probably got it from Jeff. And I was asking Jeff, why do you do kids' ministry? And he said, this is what he said to me. These are actually his words. He said, I know my why. I know my why. My why is because when they connect, when, they, when, they, when it becomes real to them, when it becomes real, then all of a sudden these kids are excited. They're grateful. They're coming up. They're thanking me, and they may be high-fiving me or whatever, and they're asking, are you speaking today? It's that they're alive because he's helping the, the word come alive to him. And so we started talking about that, and he said, honestly, everything I learned about leadership, I learned at church. And he said, the ability to do what I do when it comes to communicating, he said, I learned doing it in kids' ministry because Jeff's very successful at what he does. He actually trains and develops people in sales and so he actually talks for a living and he was like I I learned how to communicate in kids ministry in fact some of the real-time feedback he got from another pastor on our staff was like hey you got to know your audience to the point that that's part of his teaching when he's meeting with all these other individuals about sales well here's the amazing thing because that just flows out of him it's his gifting but he knows his purpose He's doing a training and a young man hears him allude to learning in church and the pastors and leaders making a difference in his life. That sparks a conversation between that young man and Jeff after the training. Jeff invites that young man to service. That young man starts attending. After attending, later on at Christmas Eve, that young man gives his life to the Lord. That young man got baptized, the last baptism that we had in here, because someone understood, I'm connecting God's purpose, my gifting, together for His glory. We can all do that. It's not about being perfect. It's not about standing on a box and preaching. You don't have to be a communicator. You could open a door. You could do a small group. Whatever it may be, you can make a difference. You see, you have a unique gift that God has given you. So then where do we go from there? Well, here's the third thing that I want to leave you just quickly before I pray for you. It's this. You live with purpose when you discover and grow in your gifts. That's the real key. Discover and grow. You got to grow it. You got to grow it. You got, if you've discovered it, awesome. If you haven't, then discover it. Well, how do you do that? You got to get real honest first. How, how do I discover and then grow? You have to get honest. How does this work? You have to get honest. What's my motivation? Do I want to be valued? Do I want to be noticed? Do I want to be recognized? Or am I doing it to serve other people? Am I really about God's purpose and building His kingdom? So you get honest, but then here's what you do. You find your people. You find your purpose. You find your people. You find your purpose. You see, we need help in this process. We need people who see things that we may not see in ourselves. Good and maybe areas that we need to grow in. Or maybe areas we think we're gifted in, like worship leading, that we're not really gifted in. We have other lanes and other gifts. So we we need help. And it's not about just one... See, oftentimes, Christians don't walk in this. We as believers don't walk in this for a lack of talent. We don't walk in it for a lack of purpose. And we miss that purpose because we fail to realize part of that is found in walking with other people. One or two people may celebrate one really talented individual, but here's what really makes a difference. 
is when someone walks in this environment and goes, wow, all of these people. It's in everyone's church. Everyone's kind. Everyone's serving. Everyone's using the gift. Everyone's activated. Everyone's doing their part. You see, we find the greatest expression of our gift in the context of a team. And then here's the thing. You just start using your gift. The third one. Just start using it. You've got to get in the game. You can't steer a boat that isn't moving. Just move. Well, what if I make a mistake? Well, let's do it together. I mean, let's mitigate some of that mistake. Let's, you know, you know, it's calculated risk here. Be coachable. Be pliable. Be willing to get real-time feedback because we want to help you grow and win. We, I am growing. I'm grateful for the things Pastor Jeff has helped me see and grow in and the other men in my life. I'm grateful for a team that, that, and not just the team that's on staff, but many of our key volunteers that are going, hey, help me get better. They're coachable. They're pliable. They're Look, we do it together. Just get in the game. Just start somewhere. So you go, well, what are you asking me to do, Pastor Chris? What do, how do I know this is going to last? How do I know it's really going to take? It's really going to work? Here's the thing. When you prioritize, prioritize the purpose of God with the people of God, that's when you know it'll last. I'm going to discover, God, what is your purpose? Bring your kingdom here on earth to see lost people found. And I'm going to prioritize doing it together. You see, we naturally think me. God is always trying to get us back to thinking we. What we can do together. What we can accomplish together. And what we can do together and the impact we can make together far exceeds what any one person can do. What I love about where we're going and what's happening the greatest part of Milestone Church is not even on this platform. It's sitting right out here in both our services. It's back there because they're the future. And it's in here on Wednesday night because those young people are the now and they're making a difference now because they don't have to wait to be great. You're it. You can be it. We can be it together. And when we do will fulfill God's redemptive purpose for our lives individually and for us as a church.